Hi, everybody, and welcome into a brand new episode of Locked On Nittany Lions, your Penn State podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Monday, May 11th, 2020. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire, a contributor on AthlonSports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB, reminding you to make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on all your favorite podcasting platforms, such as iTunes and Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, whether you're on the go, at work, or maybe you're just still stuck at home. We appreciate any subscriptions you guys want to send our way. And of course, if you enjoy the podcast or you just want to leave your feedback, leave a rating, leave a review, let us know how we're doing and what we can do to improve moving forward. Because we want this to be a show that you ultimately come back to and share with your friends. We also want you to be a part of the show, so give us a follow on Twitter and send us your questions and comments at any time at Locked On Nittany. And you can check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at instagram.com slash Locked On Nittany. In today's episode, we will touch again on some of the latest comments and reflections on the upcoming college football season, whether or not it's going to be played on time, because as you may have guessed, since our last podcast, there have been a few more comments that have been thrown out there, including some from Penn State head coach James Franklin. We'll get into all that in today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. With all that out of the way, guys, let's go ahead and get started. We're now going into our third month since the entire sports calendar has essentially been shut down. And while, yes, there are some sports out there around the world that are continuing to go on or at least starting to get back into sort of a regular routine, we know that as far as college sports are concerned, things are much more dire as far as the future outlook of everything. Now, we still have a few months to go before we are supposed to be starting a new college football season, but we don't know entirely what's going to happen there yet. We're going to talk about that in the next segment. The first segment today, the first story that we're going to talk about today, it doesn't have to do necessarily with Penn State, but it's happening within the Big Ten, and it's still a trend that I think could potentially come down the road and impact Penn State in a similar way. Now, one of the things we're seeing a lot of schools do right now is start to cut back on their budgets wherever they possibly can. Uh, you know, a lot of athletic departments are being hit hard now. Uh, certainly, without any sports to be going on, uh, no ticket revenue, no concessions, no no general revenue being generated by different athletic events. Uh, we're starting to see a lot of athletic budgets are really kind of having to be reassessed. And while Penn State has said before that they feel pretty comfortable to at least get through the current financial year and and maybe well into the next uh, financial calendar, it's uh, not necessarily the case for every other school out there. And that hits home right in the Big Ten as well. You know, we just saw Wisconsin within the last couple of days has been one of the latest schools to assess their athletic budget and really their university budget. And one of the ways to you know, kind of make some course correction is to ask members of the athletic department to start taking some cutbacks. And I think what the number was was about 15% uh, reduction in pay for 15, uh, 15% for a lot of coaches and uh, other administrators. Uh, the 15% cutbacks are going to athletic director Barry Alvarez, of course, former head coach of the football program, Barry Alvarez, current head coach Paul Christ, and men's basketball coach Greg Gard. So they're all taking 15% cutbacks, and this is going to be ongoing for the next six months, beginning uh, one week from today on May 18th. At least that's a tentative plan. 
And maybe they'll cut that short. Maybe they'll be able to go back to a regular you know, pay uh, earlier than that. But for right now, it looks like those uh, people within the athletic department at Wisconsin are going to be taking a six-month pay. And it's kind of interesting because you know it wasn't all that long ago that Barry Alvarez came out and suggested that Wisconsin was going to be in pretty decent financial shape because of years of uh, smart budgeting. And this isn't to say that he's going back on his word. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I think it's just the fact that uh, Wisconsin, as far as an athletic department is concerned, they're still going to be okay. You know, certainly they've got Big Ten revenue as you know as much as reduced as it may be in so many situations because of everything going on. Uh, they're still going to be in a relatively healthy financial outlook in the future uh, moving forward. And you can say the same thing about Penn State. You know, Penn State, you know, a school like Penn State and Ohio State, uh, they're always going to have a lot of revenue coming into their schools, uh, not just from Big Ten revenue shares and NCAA revenue shares, but of course from donors. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people like to donate to these programs, and there's a lot of other resources for income as well. But you know, it is just something to keep an eye on as we continue to move forward and see how everybody is going to be reacting. Uh, I think a couple other schools within the Big Ten have also done this. I think Rutgers did it uh, just recently as well. Maybe a little, not quite as recently, but certainly Rutgers has uh, taken some cutbacks. And I want to say Purdue was another school that did it. There's a couple other schools uh, around the Big Ten and beyond that have started to make some pay adjustments moving forward just so they can kind of save some of their budget. You know, this is not just an athletic problem. This is a university problem. A lot of universities with so many schools shutting down uh, on their campuses uh, during the spring semester, there's there's a lot of a reason to make sure that you have everything financially taken care of for your long-term future. And again, nobody's going to be crying for a lot of these schools. There's still a lot of money, but uh, you know, the longer that there's some uncertainty, the more important it is to make sure that everything is tucked away and in, in order moving forward. So uh, nothing has happened yet at Penn State, but it would not be a surprising development to see that uh, Penn State maybe is going to be one of those next schools that is going to ask maybe James Franklin to take a temporary reduction in pay. Again, I'm not saying that that is definitely going to happen, and, and maybe it won't, uh, because I do think that Penn State and Wisconsin are probably on different financial situations anyway. Um, you know, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I would imagine that uh, the, the revenue that Penn State is able to, to drive in might be a little bit higher than Wisconsin over the years. So again, I'm not saying Wisconsin is making a bad decision. I'm not saying that Penn State would be stupid to do this either or to not do it. I just, I don't know. It's just an uncertainty, but it's just something to keep an eye on because a couple Big Ten schools have done that now. So it would not be a shocking development to see that happen at Penn State sometime in the near future. Just keep an eye out for it. It's time now for me to tell you guys real quick about Built Bar. These are protein bars that taste like candy bars. I'm not even kidding about that. Uh, they sent me a sample box recently. They sent me a variety of flavors. I've been packing one in my lunch every day when I go to work, and I have one on during my snack break. And it's really kind of helped me get through the rest of my morning to my lunch break. Now, that, that's, that's the thing with protein bars. It's all about finding the right one that gets you from point A to point B during your day, right? And they've got some really great flavors. I had a peanut butter brownie one the other day that might have been my favorite one so far. But they're also introducing some new flavors beginning this week, including cookie dough, which I think I'm going to be a big fan of when I get a chance to try it. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Once again, use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. 
Once again, you don't need me to tell you that one of the biggest questions that we have as far as the college football season is concerned is, are we going to have a college football season? <laughs> it's a big question that we've been talking about time and time again right here on this podcast because there are always some updated thoughts and comments that are thrown out there, some different ideas that get tossed around, and I don't know how serious we should take some of them at some point in time or at least at this point in time, but I do think you know, we're getting closer and closer to having to figure out exactly what's going to happen when the fall does come around or the football season comes around because obviously college football starts before the official start of fall, but we won't get into the semantics of that. And of course, James Franklin has been one of the voices that a lot of people listening to this podcast are very interested to hear what he has to say. And last week, he had his latest in a long series of Zoom calls to kind of share his latest thoughts and opinions and comments about any range of topics that were thrown his way uh, from members of the media last week. We didn't get a chance to touch on this last week in the, at the end of the week for our podcast, so that's why we're doing it right now. So as you know, or may have heard by now, James Franklin seems pretty open and willing to do almost anything it takes in order to play a football season. Now, of course, he has said before, and I fully believe that this remains the case, He's very serious about the coronavirus, and he doesn't want to put anybody in any jeopardy. But if we are able to find a path towards playing college football and have it be safe for everybody involved, even if that means not playing in front of fans, it sounds like James Franklin is going to be on board and supportive of anything that it takes to get his team on the field and play some football games and maybe have a pretty special season when all is said and done. But, of course, one of the big takeaways that uh, James Franklin offered was that he is open to different ideas. And I think we're all trying to figure out what the best way to go about this is. And it's really kind of difficult right now to say exactly what's going to happen when September comes around, when October rolls around. Uh, So we're just kind of playing it by ear almost in a sense uh, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen. So one of the things that James Franklin suggested was that the possibility of conferences returning to the football field without all their members is something that could potentially happen. And it's very interesting because right here we're in where Penn State is playing in the Big Ten. This is a conference that spans from the state of Nebraska all the way out to New Jersey. It is a widespread footprint for this conference. And of course, everywhere between New Jersey and Nebraska, there are different levels of the coronavirus pandemic and different states are at different stages right now. Some states are reopening. Some states are still closed or being much more cautious. And uh, you know, we're not going to get political here, but obviously this is going to you know have a, a wide range of reaction to uh, handling the pandemic and returning to business as usual uh, just within a single conference footprint. And then it's going to vary even more conference to conference from the Pac-12 to the Big 12 to the SEC and the ACC and, of course, the Big 10 and all the the non-power conferences, every conference is going to have to deal with a a wide range of state decisions that are being made within their footprints before they can really get back to full spread of college football. And that's the big the big unknown here because we don't know exactly where Pennsylvania will be, how they may impact Penn State and Temple and Pittsburgh and all the, the Division One AA schools, the, I'm sorry, the FCS schools, the Division Two, II, Division Three, and so on. This is a big unknown moving forward because even in Pennsylvania, you've got a wide range of uh, you know stability as far as the coronavirus is concerned. So uh, we have different levels throughout the state of where different counties are right now. So we're going to have to monitor this moving forward and of course we hope that the the curve is going to be flattened and we're going to be able to take care of all that stuff Uh, and hopefully hopefully it's all gone by the time the fall season comes around but 
the threat that it could return in the fall is always going to be a possibility as well. So there are so many different options that are going to have to be on the table. And I think the I find it hard to believe that a conference would return to the football field without all their members ready to go. But I understand what James Franklin is saying here. I think, uh, you know, the way he put it is, you know, are you really going to punish, say, for example, three fourths of your conference ready to go and play football when a quarter of your conference, you know, two, three, two or three teams uh, are not able to do so? It does have a, a damaging effect on those other programs that are probably ready to go. And if there's a way that they can play football uh, and safely do so, I don't see any reason why they should be punished because some other school within your conference isn't able to play football. I mean, it's obviously a very unfortunate event uh, because ideally you would like to have everybody in your conference on the same page. But if that's just not feasible and with how much money is at stake with the the potential loss of a football season. It's not fair to some schools to say that you can't play football because these guys can't play football. Maybe those schools just don't play each other. I, I understand nothing about this is going to be ideal. Whatever the decisions are, I don't think we're going to get any real ideal solutions uh, th- thrown away, at least for this season. Hopefully next season is fine. The 2021 season is ready to go uh, back to normal. But as far as the 2020 season is concerned, I've already made up my mind that whatever happens this year, uh, it's almost like a mulligan. (laughs) I don't want to suggest that this is a waste of a season uh, for any sport, uh, including professional sports and college sports. But I think we're just going to have to do whatever we can do if we are going to be playing sports. And again, I've always said that there are far more important things than playing the sports right now. But if we are going to play them, let's do so not at any cost. But let's do so in a responsible way where we can get at least something on the field so that these players can go out and compete and maybe win a championship. I, again, I, I don't know what the right answer here is. I don't know that anybody does. Uh, you you can say whatever you want to say out there. I just don't know if any of this is going to be an ideal situation when all is said and done. Uh, I began, like kind of like James Franklin, I'm kind of open to any ideas that are out there. I like some ideas better than I like others. And uh, there are some ideas that I just absolutely hate. You know, if we're going to have a football season with no fans, I think it stinks, but I get it. And I would be okay with uh, observing it if that has to be the case this year. But I don't think we need to rush back to sports. I still have that mindset. I don't think we need to rush back just for the sake of rushing back. But I understand the financial value of playing football right now. And that's why it's going to be very interesting to see what some of these conferences do. Now, since our last podcast, we saw a handful of non-power conferences decide to go with a completely virtual route for their media days. And the last time we did this topic, we I noted that it was going to be very likely that a school or a conference like the Pac-12 is probably going to be the most likely to go uh, be the first among the power conferences to go a virtual route. Well, I was slightly off because the Big 12 beat them to it. Big 12 is going virtual for their conference media days. The Pac-12 did follow. Uh, So we've got two power conferences now that are completely on board with a virtual conference media days later this summer. Big 10 is still full go for their normal routine in Chicago. We'll see if that uh, remains the case. I don't think it will. (laughs) I think that that will eventually change very soon. Uh, The SEC is still kind of holding out as long as possible before they make any changes to their current plan. So the SEC is still on board with their regular uh, week-long extravaganza, pretty much. ACC, I think as far as I'm recording this right now, is still on par with what they expect to do on their normal routine in uh, Charlotte. So 
uh, ACC, SEC, and Big Ten are all still moving forward right now, as far as I know, with their Big Ten or their conference media days as scheduled. No changes there. But again, I do think that that is going to change, especially now that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 have gone virtual. I would imagine that the Big Ten is going to be the most likely conference next in line to do the same thing, at least as far as the power conferences are concerned. It's been a while since we had a little bit of a mailbag segment on this podcast, but fortunately, we've got a couple questions that we can throw into the mix in today's episode. Now, I will always ask for your questions before I hit record. So if you follow me on Twitter at Kevin on CFB, you'll just pay attention to when I say I'm about to hit record. And if you have any last second questions, you can fire away and get them submitted to me in time to be included in the next podcast. Now, of course, you can always send us your questions at any time by following our Twitter account at LockedOnNittany. We always check the feed for any replies, any mentions, any comments that you guys have uh, or questions that you want to include in the upcoming podcast. So feel free to send us your questions at any time and they will be guaranteed to be included in the next podcast that's recorded after you send in your question. We didn't get any questions on the Locked on Nittany account, but I did get a couple questions on my at Calvin on CFB account. So let's throw them into the mix right now. And the first question I'm going to use is kind of a recurring theme for today's episode, since we did a lot of coronavirus uh, discussion related talk in today's episode. This question comes from BobbyDo85 on Twitter. He says, insurance, do any schools have insurance if there's not a season? If there's a season and they become liable for being sued if someone gets sick? Now, I don't know the answer to this definitively. I would imagine that there is some kind of insurance with the the potential loss of any sports season in particular, especially a revenue generating one like football. So I would imagine there's some kind of protection that some schools will have uh, if there is, for whatever reason, a cancellation of a football season or maybe a part of the college football season. Again, I don't know that definitively, that, but I would imagine that there are some schools, especially ones that generate a lot of revenue through football, uh, they have some kind of provisions in place just in case something interferes with the football season. If they don't, I would imagine that that is going to be something that becomes almost mandatory uh, if, not, if they haven't already taken care of that moving forward. Uh, because if something like this does happen again, heaven forbid, (laughs) I I do think that uh, a lot of schools would be in a position where they would protect themselves as much as possible. Again, you're not going to be able to uh, protect every dollar and cent that may come your way throughout football season, but you know, just take a look at the men's basketball tournament. A lot of schools were relying on the revenue that's generated through the NCAA basketball tournaments, and that is a big chunk of revenue that a lot of schools are not getting. Uh, so I would imagine there's some kind of insurance clauses uh, that are thrown into a lot of schools, uh, the way that they run their athletic programs, uh, just for such events or situations. And again, if they aren't already, I would imagine that they are scrambling to make sure that that is a part of the game plan moving forward. But that's a good question. Again, I'm sorry, I don't have a definitive answer on that. I'm just kind of speculating there. I would imagine that there are some uh, officials at schools uh, throughout the country that are taking those provisions very seriously moving forward if they had not already. Let's talk about the upcoming season. Joe Broback on Twitter says, who are some dark horse teams 
for the 2020 season. Well, I don't know if you want to consider Penn State a dark horse team because I think a lot of people will kind of expect that uh, while Ohio State is the team to beat, I think Penn State is a team that is certainly in the conversation. Uh, so and when I think about dark horse teams, obviously we're not going to be talking about Clemson or LSU, not even Alabama or Ohio State. And I would take Oklahoma out of that mix too, unless you want to say that Oklahoma winning a playoff game is going to be a dark horse. I, I don't even know if I would consider Texas a dark horse team, although that's probably the, the kind of route I would go. A, a team like Texas or Michigan, you know, believe it or not, I think those are the two teams that I think uh, would be the next in line to make the jump into the college football playoff because if they can win their conferences, respective conferences, I think they've got a very good chance to be in that playoff mix. Another team that I think might actually be considered a dark horse, this may sound kind of strange, is LSU. You know, defending national champions, I get it. But a lot of coaching changes. Uh, Alabama's going to probably be pretty strong once again this season. Uh, they were really strong last year. They just fell a little bit shy. Uh, but I think that uh, LSU losing Joe Burrow, losing the, their big offensive co- uh, assistant uh, to the NFL, uh, losing their defensive coordinator to another head coaching position, uh, there are a lot of changes that are going on at LSU. So I think that... <laughs> Maybe LSU isn't going to fall rock bottom by a stretch of the imagination, but they certainly take some steps back this year. And I think in part that's because um, you know they may not have all the pieces in place for a repeat run. Repeating is very difficult to do, first of all. And I think that Alabama is certainly going to be, once again, probably the team to beat in the SEC, at least going into the season. Uh, again, I just I think LSU's got a lot of changes that are going to be happening this year where they're not going to be quite as good as they were last year. Still be pretty good, but uh, I think it would be a surprise to see them make a run. But if you want a dark horse, you know, can we talk about the Oregon Ducks for a second? Because, again, maybe you don't consider Oregon a a dark horse. You know, a team from the Pac-12 uh, certainly probably has an outside chance to make the playoff. Uh, and I think, assuming the season goes as planned, Oregon's got a really good opportunity early on. They're going to host Ohio State, a potential Rose Bowl preview, which uh, would be a playoff preview this year. Uh, I think Oregon could be a team on the rise. I I really like head coach Mario Cristobal. I think he's going to be leading Oregon to some really good years in the Pac-12, and certainly that's going to put him in the playoff mix, I think, moving forward. And the reason I would say Dark Horse is because they are coming from the Pac-12, and yes, I know Oregon played for the first college football playoff national championship against Ohio State. But it's been a while since we've seen the Pac-12 win a, a football game in the playoff. And, you know, the Big 12 hasn't won a game yet. So if that's what a dark horse is, I'm going to go with it. Uh, if you want to go a little bit deeper off the radar, I'd probably have to take a little bit of a stronger look at the upcoming season. I haven't quite gotten to the point where I go through the entire schedule and start making my win and loss predictions. I am going to start doing that very soon, though. So I'll probably have a better answer to that a little bit later on the summer. And again, that's assuming that there are no changes for the upcoming 2020 season but a very good question thank you for that joe broback on twitter last question today comes from hooky smash underscore asd and by the name you can tell that he's a virginia tech guy and he's actually one of the more fun virginia tech guys out there that i follow on twitter uh, he has a question related to the ACC coastal division and of course that's going to be important to keep an eye on if you're a penn state fan because uh, as you know, Penn State is scheduled to play at Virginia Tech in week two. So I figured that would be a good way to close out today's episode. His question is, presuming we have a 2020 college football season, ever the optimist here, please rank the ACC coastal football teams as we head towards the conference play. 
This question might be uh, more difficult than normal as there are no spring games. Thanks for taking my question, Kevin. Well, of course, thank you for sending in the question. And I guess my gut reaction, again, this would probably be changing as I get a chance to go through the wins and losses for the upcoming season. Uh, But I think that going into the season, I probably think that Miami, (laughs) I feel like I've been down this path before, but Miami probably has a pretty decent chance to be the top team in that ACC Coastal Division. Again, this division is so wide open. It's very difficult to predict. So I know that this is going to blow up in my face, but Miami's probably going to be my number one. I really like their quarterback, Derek King, the transfer from Houston. I'm a big fan of him. I think that it's going to be a really good situation for him. I do think that uh, Miami still has some work to do, though. So I don't think there's a clear definitive number one in this division, but I would probably lean towards Miami. I think North Carolina is going to have a good year, too. I think Virginia is going to have another good year. I really like what Bronco Mendenhall is doing with the, the Virginia program. Of course, Virginia found their way to that ACC championship game last year. Virginia Tech is probably in that same conversation, though. I mean, this is a... Again, it's a division that has no clear definitive number one, and it's uh, almost a division. I can see almost any team in this division winning it at the end of the year. Virginia Tech's going to be an interesting one, though, because as much as I really like Justin Fuente, I think there's going to be some really good things that happen for Virginia Tech down the road with Justin Fuente as the head coach. I just think that there's so many unknowns and so many questions that I have that I wasn't expecting to have going into the upcoming season. That's why I probably put them in the middle of the pack in the division right now. But we'll see how that opinion changes as we start to go forward uh, with the preview mode for the upcoming season. Again, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> it's been a lot of stuff going on that I've been focusing on, but I am going to get into that kind of mode for pretty soon. Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, I certainly think, uh, is a wild card kind of a team. Uh, Pat Narduzzi, <laughs> we can make all the jokes we want about him, uh, but I do think that you know, he finds ways to to win some games every now and then. And of course, they find ways to lose games too. So, I, I, again, middle of the pack kind of team, kind of a wild card situation for the Pitt Panthers. And Georgia Tech, I, I really like Jeff Collins. I think he certainly has revitalized and rejuvenated that program, at least as far as enthusiasm and excitement is concerned. Of course, rebuilding Georgia Tech into being a team that's going to be feared in this conference is probably going to take another year or so in recruiting and player development, but I think that they're going to be on that path. So I think Georgia Tech's going to be the team to watch in that division in the next couple of years. But if I have to take a team going into the 2020 season, I know I've been burned by them before, but I might go with the Miami Hurricanes first, followed by North Carolina. I think Mac Brown's got something really good going on with the Tar Heels this upcoming season. Again, I'll take a look at the schedules later on. Maybe that'll change my opinion here, but I'm going Miami, North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech, uh, Georgia Tech, and then Pitt uh, probably be rounding that out. Did I forget a team? I forgot Duke. Yes, Duke's probably in the middle there too. Just throw Duke in wherever because they could potentially be anywhere in that division as well. It's such a hard division to really put together a ranking from one to seven because there are 14 teams in the ACC, seven in each conference. So, uh, you know, draw names out of a hat if you want to get an ACC coastal power ranking uh, going into the upcoming season. You'll probably have as good of a chance as I have of getting it correct. But that's going to do it for today's episode. I thank you guys so much for listening in and subscribing, rating, and reviewing on all of your favorite podcasting apps such as iTunes and Google Play, Spotify and Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts these days. 
thank you guys so much for the support. It really does mean a lot. Don't forget, you can also play this podcast anytime on your home smart devices. Just tell it to play Locked On Nittany Lions on the Tuned In app. And, of course, you can always be a part of the show by sending us your questions and comments at any time on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. Give us a like on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany. And don't forget to check out our Instagram account where we'll post audio clips and some random fun stuff every now and then. We're on Instagram at Locked On Nittany. Make sure you check out the Locked On Big Ten podcast for all things Big Ten related. Don't forget to check out BuiltBar.com. Get your $10 discount by entering the promo code Locked On. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter. I'm Kevin McGuire, at Kevin on CFB. Contributors over on AthlonSports.com. Lots of fun stuff coming up your way throughout the offseason. And, of course, we'll be back later this week to kind of touch on some of the latest developments from around the world of Penn State football and more. So once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Go want to know today. Get your week started on the right foot, and let's have a good one this week. Let's all get through it together. So until next time, everybody, talk to you later.